Get the news on our shows and other happenings by following us on Twitter. Find us at VoiceAmericaTRN or Twitter.com forward slash VoiceAmericaTRN. The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaHealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed in the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Good afternoon and welcome to Frankly Speaking About Cancer with the Cancer Support Community. Your host is Kim Tibaldo, President and CEO of the Cancer Support Community. This hour is designed to inspire, inform, and to help you live better with cancer. Now, here's your host, Kim Tibaldo. Welcome to Frankly Speaking About Cancer, an internet radio show that focuses on informing and inspiring people to live well with cancer. I'm Kim Tebaldo, President and CEO of the Cancer Support Community. The Wellness Community and Gilda's Club have united to become the Cancer Support Community, one of the largest providers of cancer support in the U.S. and around the world. Our services are offered at more than 100 locations worldwide and online at www.cancersupportcommunity.org. On today's show, brought to you in part by Azi and Morphotech, we'll be talking about cancer occurrence in African Americans. Uh, throughout the show, we'll look at the, the prevalence of cancers in the African American community, uh, including a history of how cancer developed in the group and what people of color can do today to fight some of these statistics. Uh, we'll also be discovering, uh, discussing prevention measures, screening options, risk factors uh, with leading experts in the field. So to better understand the topic, I just want to review some of the top-line facts surrounding this issue. Uh, According to the Census Bureau, there are approximately 40.9 million African Americans in the U.S., about 13% of the population. Uh, the American Cancer Society's 2011-2012 report, uh, Cancer Facts and Figures for African Americans, reports that this group of people uh, have the highest death rate uh, from cancer. Uh, the cause of, of the inequality that we're seeing is thought to reflect health disparities in the U.S. today uh, uh, and other factors, some of which we're going to be addressing on the show today. Um, it's also important, I think, to mention that the report finds that overall racial disparity in cancer death rates is decreasing, and we'll see what the medical community and organizations are doing to help. So today we bring together leaders from the communications and medical fields to discuss these hot topics and more. Our guests will offer insights into many of the most important questions being asked related to cancer and, and uh, particularly the African-American population. So I'm excited to welcome our two guests to the show today. First, we have Dr. Otis Brawley, uh, Chief Medical Officer and Executive Vice President of the American Cancer Society, responsible for promoting the goals of cancer prevention, early detection, and quality treatment through cancer research and education. Dr. Brawley is a graduate of the University of Chicago Pritzker School of Medicine and cur- currently serves as Professor of Hematology, Oncology, Medicine, and Epidemiology at Emory University. He also serves as a member of the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, Breast and Cervical Cancer Early Detection and Control Advisory Committee. Thanks for joining us, Dr. Brawley. Thank you for having me. We will also uh, be joined later in the show by Linnea Floyd, uh, Senior Editor of Health 
and relationships at Essence Magazine. In this role, Alini is responsible for developing content to aid and improve the overall well-being of the publication's more than 8 million readers. An advocate for minority and women's health issues, Linya is passionate about helping African-American women live healthier lives. Uh, we've got a packed show today, uh, so we're going to start with some insight from Dr. Brawley on the topic, and then Linya will join us uh, a little bit later in the show. So, Dr. Brawley, um, let's jump in. I know we have a lot to cover today. So how, how prevalent is the issue of, of cancer uh, incidents in the African-American community? I, you know, I, we've been looking at some of these statistics about how cancer does disproportionately affect the African-American American community. Yes, ma'am. Uh, there are about 290,000 African Americans who die every year in the United States. About 71,000 of those deaths are due to heart disease. 64,000 of those deaths are due to cancer. Uh, stroke is 17,000, and accidents are about 14,000. Just to put it in perspective, cancer is the second leading cause of death among African Americans. If we look at incidence rates and look at mortality rates, yes. we find that black Blacks are about 20 to 25% more likely to get all cancers combined compared to whites. So, do, do, so what do we know about why that is? Because I think this is a critical question. Those are some really startling statistics that you're sharing with our listeners today. What do we know about why? I would separate why blacks have a higher cancer incidence rate from the question why they die at higher rates. Okay. The incidence rates are increased, it appears, due to uh, different risk factors or risk factors that are more common among blacks. Uh, nowadays, for example, obesity. 30 years ago, actually, blacks had a higher smoking rate. Uh, obesity, by the way, is one of the leading causes of cancer. Many, many people don't appreciate that obesity, lack of exercise, and bad nutrition is a, is a huge promoter of cancer. Uh, and that's a huge problem in the black community. Once diagnosed, uh, they're li more likely to be diagnosed at a later stage where treatment is less likely to work, and they're less likely to get good treatment even if they're diagnosed at a treatable stage. We have data to show that blacks are more likely to have something wrong with their care that interferes with a good outcome. So, uh, so again, why, di why diagnosed at a later stage? Because I think it's important that we drill down on this. That's a really good point. Uh, many are diagnosed at a later stage because there's a tendency, uh, it's a cultural thing, of having uh, partly cultural, partly socioeconomic, and partly circumstance. Many people will have symptoms that indicate that they have a problem and they will ignore them for a very long time until those symptoms become so severe they can't work or can't function. Then they go to the doctor and it's too late. That's on one hand. On the other hand, there are screening programs, for example, in colorectal cancer and in breast cancer. And we have some data to show that uh, blacks are less likely to get screened. And when they get screened, they're less likely to get high-quality screening. So they're less likely to have their cancers found at an earlier stage. So let's. So and what about the? You, you mentioned uh, the issue of smoking. Um, how much is that factoring in here? Well, smoking. We're still in terms of black incidents and death rates. We're still affected by. Uh, the high rates of black smoking in the 1960s and 70s. People who started smoking in, in their 20s and 30s back then are now in the cancer age group, and they're you know nowadays they're in their 70s and they can get cancers and uh, 
and die. Uh, the good news is that uh, black smoking rates actually went much lower than white smoking rates in the 1980s and beyond. And so smoking has become less a cause of the high cancer rates among blacks. So um, are we seeing, Dr. Brawley, are there certain uh, uh, types of cancer for which Africans and African-Americans are more uh, at risk? Can you break down some of the, the more common cancers yeah. for us, and what, you know, what do we know about that? Right, right now, uh, lung cancer, which is the leading cause of cancer death in blacks and whites in the United States, uh, black Americans have slightly higher rates of lung cancer and slightly higher rates of lung cancer death. Uh, and colorectal cancer, which is one of the most screenable and one of the most preventable uh, cancers through screening and for which we have now good treatment, the death rates were identical in the 1970s. And it's only since about 1981 that for both black and white men, I'm sorry, for both black men and women, we actually have higher death rates than for whites. The disparity has increased over the last 30 years in colorectal cancer, primarily because of a lack of screening and a lack of good treatment. Uh, breast cancer is a very similar story. Uh, breast cancer death rates in the 1970s were similar in black and white women, and the disparity has increased dramatically over the last 30 years. Uh, and then, of course, in prostate cancer, we don't actually know why. Black men as a group have a higher incidence rate for prostate cancer and a higher mortality rate. And that's especially disturbing given the fact that uh, most people in American medicine who are expert in the field now feel that prostate screening is not very useful. Right, and 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 what what are your thoughts on that uh, on that issue of the, well, I've of, been, of the PSA screening? Yeah. Or, you know, where are we going with this? Because I think it is a a critical issue for obviously African Americans, but but you know, all men. How how we're going to well, handle these screening questions? Well, I've been outspoken uh, for twenty years now that we put too much faith in the PSA. In the PSA, uh, uh, we have actually delayed progress in prostate cancer by overly stressing use of the PSA. It was a test that uh, people started using, and three or four years after they started using it, people decided to start doing the studies to figure out if it actually works in terms of saving lives. And now we have five studies that uh, have assessed the question, does it save lives? Four of those five questions, uh, four of those five studies say no. Uh, the one study that says yes says just barely and has huge design flaws that would bias it toward a finding that screening works. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, all of the, all five studies, by the way, document that we treat a bunch of men who don't need to be treated. They have cancer, but it was never going to kill them. The question is, are we going to be curing men who the cancer would have killed? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So um, we're we're uh, uh, quickly approaching our break here, Dr. Brawley. But but um, let's go to that question of screening for a moment now, because there were you know some changes in the guidelines for mammogram. Now changes in the guidelines for the uh, PSA. There's so much confusing information out there. What do you recommend? Uh, a, a person does as they think about, uh, you know, if they're uh, sure. uh, otherwise healthy person, as they think about these yeah. screenings, how do they process this information? Okay. Uh, 
everybody agrees that colon cancer screening, be it stool blood testing or colonoscopy, saves lives. The problem is 50% of people over the age of 50 get any test for colon cancer screening. That is a tragedy. It clearly decreases risk of death by a third or more, and half of people who should be getting it are not getting it. Aren't getting it. Right. Cervical cancer screening clearly saves lives, probably only need to get it every three years or so for a sexually active woman. Mammography for women in their 50s and 60s done, we prefer every year, but it can be every two years, clearly saves lives. There is some dispute about the utility for it for women in their 40s in that we all know it decreases risk of death, but you have to do a lot of mammograms and you have to call back a lot of people for secondary tests and then you have a small decrease in risk of death because of all of that. We at the ACS have looked at the data and we recommend women in their 40s, 50s, and 60s get screened. Others say it should start at age 50. Uh, I point out that 40% of women over 50 get no screening and there's no discussion there. We all agree it's a good thing for women over the age of 50. Prostate screening, uh, men need to know that there's a huge question mark. They need to make sure that their doctor understands that huge question mark because a lot of them have not traditionally understood it and prostate screening should stay within the physician patient relationship and mm-hmm. men need to figure out do they want it or do they not want it and we all need to respect those opinions we should uh, be past the days of screening at the shopping mall and screening mm-hmm. at the state fair mm-hmm. okay uh, you know I think it's great it's great advice uh, for our listeners and I think you've just, in a very uh, concise way, helped us uh, cut through, uh, you know, some of the confusion, uh, you know, around some of these issues. This is Frankly Speaking About Cancer. Today we're talking about cancer uh, in the African-American community. Uh, we are uh, here with Dr. Otis Brawley, Chief Medical Officer of the American Cancer Society. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Steps to a healthier you. Voice America Health and Wellness. Effective cancer treatment requires more than just medication or surgery. For the country's 12 million cancer survivors and their loved ones, the social and emotional challenges of adapting to life with cancer are ongoing. How to handle coworkers' questions, how to get comfortable with new physical realities, how to reassure worried family members, or explain to friends your priorities have changed. The Cancer Support Community is ready to help by providing free counseling, education, and hope for survivors and their caregivers. Whether online or at over 100 locations around the world, the Cancer Support Community is ready to offer the support you need to live a better life with cancer. For more information on support groups, publications, nutrition, exercise programs, and more, call 1-888-793-9355. Or visit us online at www.cancersupportcommunity.org. That's cancersupportcommunity.org. The Cancer Support Community, a global network of education and hope. Hi, I'm Nick Nicolaitis, President and CEO of Morphotech, and we're delighted to be a sponsor of Cancer Support Community's Frankly Speaking About Cancer series. Morphotech and its parent company, Azi, are committed to human health care, and we recognize that patients and their families are the most important participants in the health care process. We salute our global advocacy partners who are devoted to improving the lives of people touched by cancer every day. Cancer, it's a lonely word. 
terms I don't understand, choices I never thought I'd have to make. But there is hope and help. Support from cancer survivors. Links to research and clinical trials. Help with finances and access to care. All behind you at Breakaway from Cancer, created by Amgen to empower cancer patients. The cancer support community is proud to be a partner of Breakaway from Cancer. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. You're listening to Frankly Speaking About Cancer with the Cancer Support Community, an inspirational program offering the resources you need to live a better life with cancer. Now here's your host, Kim Tibaldo, President and CEO of the Cancer Support Community. Welcome back to Frankly Speaking About Cancer, brought to you in part today by Genentech and Celgene. I'm really excited to welcome Linya Floyd, Senior Editor of Health and Relationships at Essence Magazine, onto the program to share her insight into the topic of cancer in African Americans. Uh, Essence is one of the most prominent magazines for African American women in the U.S., uh, and I'm certainly hoping Linya today can speak to us about what Essence is doing to promote cancer-related health awareness to their readers. Welcome, Linya. Thank you so much for having me on the show, Kim. So uh, let, let's talk a little bit about the magazine, a little bit about your work there. What, what is your goal, Linya, as the senior editor of health at Essence Magazine in terms of health awareness uh, for your readership? What do, you, what do you aim to provide to your readers on a regular basis? Well, there's three things I try to keep in mind as we frame our health stories. Uh, we want to educate our readers, we want to inspire our readers, and we want to entertain our readers. Um, education is so critical because so many people don't know what they're at risk for. They don't know the steps for prevention. They don't know what they should be eating. They don't know how much they should be exercising. Um, so, for example, very few people have even heard about triple negative breast cancer, which is a very aggressive form of the disease which disproportionately affects African Americans. Um, and we did a story on that a few years back to make sure that our readers knew what they were disproportionately at risk for and what the signs are that they need to look for. Um, the other thing we want to do that I mentioned, inspiration. Uh, people come to the book and, and they get the information, but you want them to actually do something with it. Um, if you're telling them information about prevention, uh, you want them to actually go out and get that mammogram or you want them to go out and do that self-exam. Um, if you want to, we're trying to inspire people to exercise more. So we want to make it easy and we want to make it fun and we want to tell you how you can work it into your incredibly busy schedule. Uh, and then last but not least is the, enter- is the entertainment aspect. And I know that that sounds probably a little crazy, but <laughs> you do want, you know, but uh, health information sometimes, particularly for African Americans, uh, can be kind of gloom and doom. There are so many disease states that we're disproportionately affected by. The numbers are really, really coming down on us. And we want to make sure that it's not all gloom and doom when she comes to health and she doesn't feel um, bogged down or defeated uh, by the information that, that she's getting. So we make sure that we have that, that little glimmer of, of entertainment as well. And that's everything from, you know, the thing that we put in there, that, that turn of phrase or the thing that we put into a story um, that makes you smile to actual pieces that we have that are there to uplift you. For example, we have um, a retreat column in our I think it's in our October issue, uh, so that will be coming out soon. And it's all about how to get away from it all when you can't go anywhere. <laughs> so yeah. how to, yeah. how to kind of <laughs> The old staycation. Little, like we'll, <laughs> little things like that that will help our readers. We try to sprinkle them throughout. 
fantastic. So educate, inspire, and entertain. I like that yeah. formula. I think that's what we all need every day, don't we? <laughs> in general, in our lives, it sounds like that's a good formula for living. Um, you know, I know, Linda, there's, there's so much health information out there now, so many myths, such a like, kind of information overload. In fact, we just uh, mm-hmm. recently on our show had a couple doctors. We did a whole show about, you know, myths and myths in healthcare and, and myths in medicine, and it was a really fascinating show. But um, uh, it, so in, in light of that, in light of the overload, in light of the, the incredible volume, in light of a lot of the myths and misconceptions that are out there, how do you sort through that? How do you message this health information um, uh, to your readers? And do you uh, kind of screen it or, or uh, tailor it in a way that's different from kind of other news and information outlets? Oh, absolutely. When, when our 8 million-plus readers come to Essence Magazine, they know that they're hearing information from an authoritative source and they're getting a story that they're not going to see anywhere else. The content that they see in Essence is completely unique because we're speaking to a unique audience. So something that they see in Essence is not going to look like something that they see in another health book or another fashion book or what have you. Um, and that runs a complete range. It 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 pertains to the experts that we're talking to, which are predominantly African-American and who are predominantly seeing African-American patients. So they're bringing a unique perspective. It comes back to the stories of the women, the real the real people tales that we put within the magazine, people who look like the reader, people who are having experiences just like her, um, topics that are specifically important to her. Like I said, um, like I mentioned earlier, uh, the triple negative breast cancer, um, problems of economics that tend to come up within the African-American community, problems of obesity that tend to come up disproportionately in the African-American community. So it's a very unique, tailored message that we're, that we're sending out to her, and she's not going to see that specific message or see stories that look like her or as many beautiful people who look just like her uh, in other magazines. So how do you, so how do you prioritize? How do you decide what to, uh, you know, what to, uh, to, to, to cover each month? Again, you know, on a daily basis, we're seeing such an you know, incredible volume of, of, of health information. But, you know, what's that formula? What are the main issues of concern to your audience and to your readers? And how do you kind of net that out and, you know, kind of pick the topics and stories that you're covering each month in the health space? Sure. So I'll kind of break that up into two responses. One... Yeah. Um, in terms of what the big issues of concern for our audience are, um, there's two very big ones that I really always have at the back of my mind, and one of those is obesity. Um, 80% of the African-American community is overweight or obese, and I had the pleasure of interviewing Otis Brawley, who's the chief medical officer at the American Cancer Society, sure. and, he told, yeah, and he told us obesity is the second leading carcinogen after smoking. So obesity is something that is very much at the forefront of my mind when I'm thinking about what stories we're going to be doing in the magazine. And the second um, that always comes to mind is HIV, which is disproportionately hitting uh, the black community. One out of every 30 African-American women are at risk for HIV compared to one out of every 588 Caucasian females. So there's a huge gap there. Um, There's a huge risk for African-Americans, so we're always trying to be mindful of that. And that's not just within the the health section, um, but that's within other areas of the magazine as well. Um, And then I'm also concerned about the number one killer, heart disease, of course, Um, and obviously cancer is something that comes up often as well. Um, And then in terms of how we actually decide which stories to do, 
there's I, I wish that there were a perfect formula. There are so many. <laughs> it probably looks like one of those crazy calculus equations that we all remember. Yeah, yeah, cool. yeah. You know, it's it's whatever's coming out. You know, what the latest study in a medical journal is. Um, I meet with tons of experts in all different kinds of fields. You know, from gynecologists and oncologists to you know your ear, nose, and throat guy. Um, everybody that you can imagine, product manufacturers. And, of course, we're listening to our readers. Um, yeah. People send us emails. We always love getting um, emails and input from readers. If they want to email us at healthyliving at essence.com, we're always listening. Um, we do focus groups, so sometimes invitations will go off for that, and we, can, we get a direct line into what our reader is interested in hearing about. And then experiences from, from Team Essence, everybody who puts the magazine mm-hmm. together, has something they're going through, knows somebody who's going through something, um, sure. and my own experiences, of course. Yeah. So it's 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 a little bit of everything. Uh, yeah. That, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Well, obviously that I'm just those real life experiences of your own colleagues, like you said. I mean, it can yeah. be it can be so powerful. Um, we're talking to Linia Floyd, senior editor of Health and Relationships at uh, Essence Magazine, and uh, we you talked a little bit about you know what are some of the main concerns, health concerns of the African American community. We talked about obesity, mm-hmm. HIV, heart disease, and obviously cancer. Uh, which uh, unfortunately is near and dear to our hearts here at the cancer support community. Um, let's talk a little bit about that, Linya. How do you message the importance of prevention uh, and screening when it comes to, to cancer prevention in, in African-American women? You know, we always say, look, the best way to beat cancer is to detect it early at this point yeah. without a, generally a, you know, a, a cure for all cancers. We say you've got you've to pound that early detection and screening message. How are you guys approaching that? We, and I know we'll, we'll probably delve a little deeper into this later, yeah. Um, yeah. but we actually have an entire section of, a, of our October feature on breast cancer and African-American women that, that's specifically devoted to prevention. Um, we, and then we have one that's specifically devoted to screening as well because those are two really big messages that we wanted to get out there. Um, we know how tariff, we, you know, I, I, we have heard the stories, people have, um, you know, experienced this themselves, obviously. It's terrifying when you feel that lump or when you go to the doctor and you um, get that, you know, they tell you themselves or you get something in the mail. That's absolutely terrifying and unfortunately that's send so many people into, so many women into kind of a state of paralysis, and, yeah. and they don't want to do anything, and they're paralyzed by that fear. Um, and it is so critical, we try to get this out to our readers in particular, because African-American women are disproportionately getting these aggressive forms of breast cancer, and they are getting them younger, um, ca- uh, cancer younger than, other, yeah. than the general population. So jumping on this, acting on this as soon as possible is so critical, and we try to tell that. Um, to our readers within our stories, um, you know we have you know we quote experts so that we try we quote experts to try and bring that fear down a little bit because um, the majority of the time when you do feel a lump it isn't cancer but if it is you really want to jump on that as soon as possible to save your own life essentially yeah absolutely uh, before we go to our break here Linya let me ask you uh, uh, family and religion obviously strong influences in the African-American community. Do you incorporate that information and those topics into the information you share with readers about health information and and other issues? Does it impact the messaging? Uh, Absolutely. I I do have to say that uh, our readers spend so much time thinking about uh, the other people in her life, the other people in her workplace, the other people in her family, that we do like her to feel when she comes to the health section that we're focusing specifically on her. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, we acknowledge she is the gatekeeper of her family's health. 
So, um, for example, recently this summer we did a, did a story with Dr. Oz about how to save your man's life. And that was all about you and your husband or you and your significant other and what you can do to help him live a longer life, how to help him live a healthier life, things that you two can do better. Um, and, we, and, you know, uh, and we actually did incorporate um, your kids, your son, into that also. Um, but there's a lot of little places where we do try to work that in, although we do want the focus to be on her because without her, everything is going to fall apart, right? Yeah. Yeah, she does become this, you know, the the uh, the center of it all. So we've got to keep the we've got to keep the moms, the grandmoms, the sisters healthy, exactly. so that they can be that glue, really, that does uh, keep the family together. And and you know, they say that women do make the majority of decisions in healthcare. And exactly. so when you talk about your work to educate, to inspire, and to to uh, entertain, I agree. You know, we've got to keep women in a healthy place so that they can be the ones who are. In, you know who are inspiring, who are empowering, mm-hmm. and who are making sure their families are getting the uh, the facts and getting the right information about everyone's health. Um, we're talking today to Linya Floyd, senior editor of Health and Relationships uh, at Essence Magazine, and we are talking about a, a whole range of issues that, around health in the African American community, specifically about cancer. We're going to jump a little bit more specifically into the cancer conversation. Uh, we're going to take a quick break right here. We'll be right back. Don't go away. Real Life Solutions, Voice America Health and Wellness. Cancer, it's a lonely word. Terms I don't understand. Choices I never thought I'd have to make. But there is hope and help. Support from cancer survivors. Links to research and clinical trials. Help with finances and access to care. All behind you at Breakaway from Cancer. Created by Amgen to empower cancer patients. The Cancer Support Community is proud to be a partner of Breakaway from Cancer. Hi, I'm Nick Nicolaitis, President and CEO of Morphotech, and we're delighted to be a sponsor of Cancer Support Community's Frankly Speaking About Cancer series. Morphotech and its parent company, Azi, are committed to human health care, and we recognize that patients and their families are the most important participants in the health care process. We salute our global advocacy partners who are devoted to improving the lives of people touched by cancer every day. Effective cancer treatment requires more than just medication or surgery. For the country's 12 million cancer survivors and their loved ones, the social and emotional challenges of adapting to life with cancer are ongoing. How to handle co-workers' questions, how to get comfortable with new physical realities, how to reassure worried family members, or explain to friends your priorities have changed. The Cancer Support Community is ready to help by providing free counseling, education, and hope for survivors and their caregivers. Whether online or at over 100 locations around the world, the Cancer Support Community is ready to offer the support you need to live a better life with cancer. For more information on support groups, publications, nutrition, exercise programs, and more, call 1-888-793-9355 or visit us online at www.cancersupportcommunity.org. That's cancersupportcommunity.org. The Cancer Support Community a global network of education and hope. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. You're listening to Frankly Speaking About Cancer with the Cancer Support Community, an inspirational program offering the resources you need to live a better life with cancer. Now here's your host, 
Kim Tibaldo, President and CEO of the Cancer Support Community. Welcome back to Frankly Speaking About Cancer, brought to you in part today by Millennium and Amgen Oncology. I'm Kim Tebaldo, your host, and today we're talking about African Americans and cancer. Earlier in the show, we talked about some facts and figures related to this important issue. Uh, and in this segment, uh, in the last segment, we began a conversation with Linya Floyd, Senior Editor of Health and Relationships at Essence Magazine, an uh, extremely popular monthly magazine for African American women, covers a wide range of topics, fashion, lifestyle, beauty, health, relationships. Uh, we really love and appreciate Essence Magazine for their honest dialogue and the uh, dialogue they inspire among women across the country. Um, we're here now to continue our conversation with Linnea to gain insight into an upcoming uh, piece entitled The Black Women's Guide uh, to, uh, to Breast Cancer. And uh, you know, obviously we're approaching October Breast Cancer um, uh, Awareness Month, and so we want to dive into this a little bit more. Um, Linnea, we, we you know, learned earlier about how, how uh, the issue of cancer is such an important topic, a hot topic, you know, in the African-American community. And, uh, you know, when we look across all populations, look, we've got 77 million baby boomers. Um, greatest risk factor for cancer is age. We've got a lot of folks aging in this country who are going to be facing a host of health issues, uh, I- including uh, cancer. What are some of the specific issues that you're seeing around breast cancer in the African-American community, and what are you doing to help educate women about that? Well, I think it goes back to... African-American women tending, tending to get cancer, breast cancer, at younger ages um, and in more aggressive forms. So we are pushing that messaging that you definitely need to be mindful of early detection. It's absolutely critical in the African-American community. You need to be doing breast self-exams. I can't tell you the number, and I know that, there's, I know that um, within the medical community there are experts that go back and forth on breast self-exams, but I have to say that I can't even tell you the number of women who have interviewed for stories like this. Um, that found their own uh, found their own breast cancer, mm-hmm. and immediately went mm-hmm. to the doctor and followed up on that, and will forever be champions of telling other women to go out and do this. And any way you look at it, there's no drawback to being familiar with your own breast. There's yes. no drawback to knowing if something just doesn't feel right today, but yesterday it was a you know it felt just fine to you. So. I definitely um, think that that's an important message for African American women, and at the very and you know even if there's debate about that, there's no debate about mammograms. There's confusion around mammograms just because of news stories that came out within the last few years. Um, but we are definitely sending that messaging that women need to go out get their annual mammograms, 40, yeah. starting at 40 and up. Um, and if you are um, if you're at an increased risk, then you need to talk to your doctor about starting that earlier. Um, and what we've even talked about in the magazine as well is Having a, you know, have a doctor that you feel comfortable talking to so that you can ask these questions. Um, some women have gone and had their doctors do um, ultrasound on them as, um, as an alternative. Um, see what, you know, see what else is out there. See what else might be appropriate for you. Talk to your doctor. Get that conversation going um, and feel comfortable doing that. Find a doctor you feel comfortable with having that conversation with. Well, you know, I think it's I think it's great advice, and I think you know we also talked about a little bit earlier. You know, women are really the drivers of this, and I think that uh, you know, know your risk, know your history, know your family history. You know, you Absolutely. really do have to start a family dialogue uh, about this. We need to talk about what our mothers died from, what our grandmothers died from, what our aunts died from. Um, you know, that that those are the pieces of information that are going to help us assess. Um, our, our risk of this disease and really, like you said, under, understand, educate, inspire um, uh, on this topic. Let's talk, while we have a few minutes left here, um, let's, uh, let's talk, Linnea, about 
the, new, the, the piece that you have coming out, the Black Women's Guide to Breast Cancer. As I said, October certainly, you know, is Breast Cancer Awareness Month. There's a lot that, that happens, uh, happens during that month, but it seems to me that you've got a pretty important piece coming out describing a care plan uh, for women who've been diagnosed yes. with cancer. Uh, really, you know, what are, give, give us a few previews. Give us a few highlights of what women can expect from this piece. Um, one thing that I'm really excited that we have a chance to talk about in this story is patient navigators or patient navigators and patient navigation programs. I feel like they're one of the best-kept secrets in healthcare. And basically, yeah. these are individuals within hospitals and cancer centers who are there. This is their job to help you with all the confusing paperwork, make sure you understood what your doctor just told you, um, help you find child care uh, while you're being treated if that's something that's important, if that's something that you need. <coughs> Excuse me. Mm. Um, and there, ooh, hold on one second. Okay. <coughs> no problem. <laughs> Sorry, got pulled on my throat. <laughs> um, so they're basically at more than 2,000 hospitals and cancer centers across the country, um, and they're there to help you. The other thing that we talk about, uh, which I think is a really important key because we're in the information age, um, yeah. going online to cancer websites like Susan G. Komen for the Cure or MD Anderson's cancer site. To find more information, you need to stay on top of the latest developments that are happening within breast cancer so that you get the latest treatments and you get the latest techniques and you get the you know best drug out there for you. Um, so there's a lot of work that needs to happen on the patient side. I will admit that. But at the same time, there are people there to help you. And I didn't mention this earlier, but I do think that it's so important to ask for help if you need it. If you yeah, need someone yeah. to go to that appointment with you because you feel like just you're completely overwhelmed when your doctor is talking to you and you need another pair of ears listening, I think that's so important to do. Um, and it's important to also speak up and tell people what you're going through. I've also interviewed a lot of people who just never told anybody that they had breast cancer and went it alone. And this is not something that you want to go it alone for. Um, yeah. And I'm sure that most of your loved ones would say, I wish that I had known because I would have done X, Y, and Z for you and made your journey a lot easier than it could have been. So definitely speak up, have people come to appointments with you, tell them that you need a ride to an appointment, what have you, um, and tell them what you're going through. Yeah, you know, um, I, I just I want to mention, Linia, that we've got at the cancer support community, we've got 50 centers across the country to help women with, with breast cancer and other cancers, mm -hmm. truthfully. We've got support groups, educational programs, nutrition, exercise, stress reduction, free services for women with breast cancer and all cancers and also, you know, for their family members and loved ones. Yes. Um, you know, we've also got a wonderful breast cancer registry where women can get online and share uh, information about their experience. We've got a great piece on breast reconstruction. Um, so, you know, I think that, that uh, I think together kind of as a community between the outreach that you're doing uh, through Essence, you know, we certainly work with some of the partners you've mentioned, American Cancer Society, mm -hmm. uh, Susan G. Komen for the Cure. Um, um, you know, I think it takes a village. You know, I think yeah. if we, we think about all of the resources that are, you know, that are out there, I think it's so important that we're all kind of coming together and collaborating to get this information uh, out there to women with breast cancer uh, and to their families. And like you said, you know, we don't want anybody to have to face cancer alone. No. And, 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 you know, and, and you, you, you certainly 
don't. There are a lot of resources out there to help you navigate this uh, this experience. Um, as we kind of get to the end of our time together, Linya, I know one of the things the article discusses, maybe we can talk about this for another minute or two, is really uh, the ability of, of technology to help women uh, diagnose with, with, with breast cancer. Can you? And I know I think that, that, you know, we've had some conversations together certainly around our new mobile app that's out there for women to diagnose some of the distress that they're dealing with with cancer. But can yeah. you just maybe touch on how how women can use technology to help through the cancer experience? Sure. So I, I do think that the app is fantastic. I will, I will mention one other thing that we talk about in the story, which is um, there's a website called someonewith.com, um, and it's basically someplace, you know, people register for um, their new apartments or they'll register for their wedding. This is a way that you can register for um, when you have breast cancer, and it has breast cancer-specific products. Um, that you can uh, delineate that you need, and your friends can go on and either contribute to or purchase that for you. And one of the products that um, will kind of bring to light what they're doing is is a mocha-colored compression sleeve. Um, And so women who are going through breast cancer treatment um, sometimes have a buildup of fluid um, in their arms and a swelling, and these compression sleeves help with this. Um, but these are, you know, they specifically sell them, um, sell sleeves that are mocha colored so it looks flesh toned for African American women, which is something that people don't always think about, but yeah. it's the little things. It is yeah. the little things that can help you get through this and make you feel less awkward. Um, so I just thought that that was so brilliant. So they're really great. Um, and, and, yeah, and yes, absolutely. Go online, look, look at apps. Um, it, you know, there are all sorts of websites that are great ways of updating people um, about your cancer experience yeah. so that you're not telling this, you know, maybe you don't want to tell the same story 15 times after people are calling and calling and calling, but you don't want people to be out of the loop. So there's so many things that you can do um, that I think are absolutely not just critical, but also so emotionally, not just, you know, critical in terms of your general health, but in terms of your emotional health as well. Linya, the piece is called um, A Black Woman's Guide to Breast Cancer. When can women find that? Oh, that will be on newsstand September 12th. But I have to tell you, I've already started seeing copies in and around New York City. So um, look for that on newsstand. Absolutely. And just one more quick question before we wrap up here, um, Linya. So uh, what do you recommend to your readers? Uh, I've just been diagnosed with cancer. My friend, my neighbor, my loved one has just been diagnosed with cancer. Just a couple of quick tips for for our listeners. I'm so glad that you asked that because I feel like so many people become paralyzed when they hear that someone has been diagnosed with breast cancer and they don't know what to do. Um, And two things that I really love telling people um, that we talk about in the story is, one, offer specific help. Don't just say, let me know if you need anything, but say, you know, do you need me to drive you to the hospital? Um, Can I come over and make dinner? Um, Would you like me to watch your kids this weekend? Things like that. Um, you will definitely, you'll get a response to, it's much less likely somebody's going to call you and say, I need. So if you are willing to help, offer specific help. And then the second thing that I would say is keep the invitations coming. Don't automatically assume that your friend isn't going to be up for that spa trip or going to the movies or what have you. Let Uh her be the one that says, you know, that says, no, I'm not up to it. And I think you'll be surprised that you'll get a lot of positive responses. Fantastic. Linya Floyd, Senior Editor of Health and Relationships uh, at Essence Magazine. Really a, a great conversation. Again, we want to remind folks that uh, in the October issue of Essence Magazine on newsstands now, uh, look for A Black Woman's Guide to Breast Cancer, a great resource. Linya, thanks so much for being on the show today. We appreciate it. We hope you'll come back soon. Thanks so much. Okay. Bye-bye.
Steps to a Healthier You. Voice America Health and Wellness. Effective cancer treatment requires more than just medication or surgery. For the country's 12 million cancer survivors and their loved ones, the social and emotional challenges of adapting to life with cancer are ongoing. How to handle co-workers' questions, how to get comfortable with new physical realities, how to reassure worried family members, or explain to friends your priorities have changed. The Cancer Support Community is ready to help by providing free counseling, education, and hope for survivors and their caregivers. Whether online or at over 100 locations around the world, the Cancer Support Community is ready to offer the support you need to live a better life with cancer. For more information on support groups, publications, nutrition, exercise programs, and more, call 1-888-793-9355 or visit us online at www.cancersupportcommunity.org. That's cancersupportcommunity.org. The Cancer Support Community, a global network of education and hope. You're listening to Frankly Speaking About Cancer with the Cancer Support Community, an inspirational program offering the resources you need to live a better life with cancer. Now here's your host, Kim Tibaldo, President and CEO of the Cancer Support Community. Welcome back to Frankly Speaking About Cancer. Throughout the episode, we've been talking about cancer in the African-American community. It's prevalence, prevention, screening measures, what to do if one receives a cancer diagnosis. Uh, we've got some great insight uh, from Linya Floyd, Senior Editor on Health and Relationships at Essence Magazine. Um, we want to turn back to Dr. Otis Brawley, Chief Medical Officer and Executive Vice President of the American Cancer Society. Uh, we want to go back into this conversation a little bit about prevention um, and uh, education and awareness. I, you know, I found it interesting, uh, Dr. Brawley, if we could dive in for just a minute, when, when we talked about the, you know, increase in incidence uh, of cancer in the African-American community and in, increase in mortality, and you talked a little bit about um, uh, the, the cultural uh, issues, the socioeconomic issues, and the circumstances around uh, uh, diagnosing cancer in the African-American community. For those just joining us, can you break that down for us uh, a little bit more, maybe dive in a little bit more to some of those cultural socioeconomic issues that you're referring to? Yeah. the uh, Let's look at breast cancer, for example. Yes. Uh, we know that mammography saves lives. Uh, mammography, by the way, is responsible for about 30% of the decline in mortality that we've seen. Better treatments responsible for 70%. We know that black women are less likely to get high-quality mammograms than white women, although there's a group of black women who are just so frightened they don't get any screening whatsoever. They just do not go in for screening, which is really unfortunate, especially for women in their 50s and 60s, but also for women with a family history who are over 40 or for women. We recommend that all women in their 40s right. get screened. Now, is the fear of that, do you, do you find that the fear of that is unique to African-American women? No, uh, it's not a unique fear. It, however, may be a fear that's more prevalent in the African-American community than in the white community. Uh, some people think it's more prevalent in a community of folks who have a lower socioeconomic status, less likely to be a college graduate, having less income and also less insurance. And having no insurance is a huge barrier to going to the doctor when you feel that you have a problem. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And- 
and um, so so aside from the from the cultural issues, some of the socioeconomic issues, can you give us a sense of how how uh, how faith plays into a cancer diagnosis in the African uh, community? There are some wonderful papers that have been written, studies of populations uh, that say uh, things like, I don't want to be diagnosed with breast cancer because when Aunt Sally was diagnosed, she died three months later. And so mm-hmm. you have women who know that they have a problem in their breast. They can feel it. They watch it for years as it grows. Uh, unfortunately, as it grows from being a treatable tumor to and a curable tumor to being an uncurable tumor. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, I've actually seen one woman who watched a breast cancer grow in her breast for 12 years, and when she came to us, it was unfortunately too late. Mm-hmm. And this is because of fear of being ostracized by family, by being labeled a breast cancer survivor. Mm-hmm. It's uh, sometimes due to I'm too busy working, supporting my family to take off time to get treated for this. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, so part of the part of the education needs to be folks really understanding that an early diagnosis is what's going to save your life. Yeah, there have been actual uh, programs. We had one here in Atlanta where we actually had a choir of 100 black breast cancer survivors mm-hmm. so that we could show the world that there is such a thing as a black breast cancer survivor. Mm, I'd like to show up for one of those concerts. That sounds that sounds like a like a good time. Um, I, you know, as we come to the end of our show, Dr. Brawley, I, I just want to talk a little bit about um, how uh, African Americans and others should think about um, the the uh, risk factors for cancer. So, you know, what are yeah. the greatest risk factors, and 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 uh, mm-hmm. how do folks assess a family history and think about those elements when they're trying to um, maintain good health? Yeah. Now, the risk factors for blacks are the same as the risk factors for whites. It's just that blacks very frequently are more likely to have them. Uh, We've uh, mentioned earlier obesity, bad diet, and lack of physical activity. All three come together and a very potent cause of cancer. Indeed, in the next 10 to 15 years, will likely be a greater cause of cancer than tobacco abuse. Mm, Uh, Tobacco abuse is a risk factor that was more prevalent in the African-American community in the 1960s and early 70s than it was in the white community. And it's that use in the 1960s that's actually fueling some of the cancers that we're getting today. Now that blacks have a lower rate of smoking than whites, in the next 20 to 30 years, it will be less a factor in the black community. Uh, I say that, uh, but we need to realize that still about 18% of blacks smoke cigarettes and we need to go down to zero. You know, one out of one out of every two people who smoke cigarettes will die an earlier death because they smoke cigarettes. Um, uh, other things are health-seeking behaviors uh, or lack of health-seeking behaviors, which are risk factors. And it, it would be nice if people have some idea of what their family members ultimately had health-wise and ultimately died from. You know, what did your father's father have, your father's mother have, and that sort of thing, because women who have a family history of breast cancer actually perhaps should get a little bit more intensive uh, screening for breast mm-hmm. cancer. Uh, we don't know if prostate cancer screening saves lives, but a man who comes from a family with a history of prostate cancer might actually prefer to get screened, even though we have some question marks as to its efficacy. 
And, Dr. Brawley, are we seeing the same rates of genetic link and genetic predisposition in the African-American community as in the white community, for example, uh, uh, women with the BRCA gene or other kind of genetic predispositions or mutations that would lead to uh, a cancer? Are we seeing same incidence? Well, interesting point. Uh, we're, starting, we're only now starting to study the genetic linkages in black populations. That has not been studied as well. Now, I'll, I'll let you know, for example, a BRCA2 mutation, there's one specific BRCA mutation that's found in Ashkenazi Jews. About 1.5% to 2% of women of Ashkenazi Jewish descent have this mutation. We're actually now able to figure out that all of those people are cousins of each other. It's a large extended family. And there was one woman who probably existed about 400 years before Christ who is their great to the nth power grandmother. And she and all of those folks are descendants of her. And that's why the Ashkenazi population has a very high BRCA problem for this one specific BRCA mutation. And it's probably going to be true for a lot of these other lesions as well, that it's just very large extended families that lead to these things. Wow, it's a just re- just really fascinating uh, information. Um, we're unfortunately getting to the end of our show, um, and uh, I want to extend a big thank you to Dr. Brawley and to Linya Ford uh, for being here today to share their professional insight uh, into the issue of cancer uh, in the African American community. I uh, I feel like we have so much more to talk about, so I'm hoping we can uh, we can have both of you back and uh, do another episode um, on this topic because it is such an important uh, uh, topic. And um, we know that uh, uh, Essence Magazine has, is doing quite a bit in this month of October to educate African American women about uh, cancer and uh, to give them some good tips and, and guidance to live healthier lives. Um, we want to dedicate the show today to Tony and, and, and Golden Globe Award-winning actress Diane Carroll. She's a, a great friend of the cancer support community was a spokesperson for our uh, STAR caregiver campaign. Diane is a breast cancer survivor and an, uh, and an activist, and uh, we thank Diane for all the, all the work that she's done in raising awareness about breast cancer in the African-American community. Um, uh, Diane, you've been a strong supporter of our work and an advocate uh, for social and emotional support. Um, uh, if you are someone diagnosed with cancer, someone you love has cancer, uh, check us out at the Cancer Support Community. Our website is cancersupportcommunity.org. As I said, we've got centers all over the country where we're providing support groups, educational programs, nutrition, exercise, stress reduction. These services are free of charge for people with all cancers and also for caregivers and family members, cancersupportcommunity.org. This is Frankly Speaking About Cancer. Thanks for joining us today. Until next time, be well, do well, live well. Thank you for joining us for Frankly Speaking About Cancer with your host, Kim Tibaldo. We're here for you every Tuesday afternoon at 1 p.m. Pacific Time and 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. In the meantime, stay connected online at cancersupportcommunity.org. That's cancersupportcommunity.org. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. 
visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.